0: Now, how many of you are familiar with this? (laughs) Right? The dab, right? Now, you're going to see the connection with that in the message, and it's going to help you remember what we're talking about. Last week, I really began a series in which I'm challenging us to recognize that our lives can make a difference. Our lives can make an impact. Last week, I talked about the value of one And today I want to encourage us by challenging us to confront and conquer roadblocks to a revolutionary life. Confront and conquer roadblocks to a revolutionary life. Because if we want our lives to count, we must be aware of the fact that there will be challenges before us that we have to deal with and be willing to conquer those challenges. And so I'm going to be focusing on the roadblocks and how we can conquer them. I want you to look with me at Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32, because there's a unique phrase there that is a description of the people that know God. It begins by saying those who do wickedly against the covenant, He shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Did you get that? But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. What is an exploit? Exploit means a bold or daring feat. God has not called you to live a safe life. He's called you to live a revolutionary life. And I want to encourage you today to be sold on being bold. Dare to do whatever God calls you to do. You and I are called to live revolutionary lives. What does revolutionary mean? It means involving or causing a complete or dramatic change involving or causing a complete or dramatic change. The Bible says this of the disciples, the early followers of Jesus, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 6. They were described as this type of people: these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. When you read about the followers of Jesus in the book of Acts, you will discover they didn't live a safe life. They lived. Revolutionary lives. Wherever they showed up, one of two things would happen a riot. Or revival. Huh? A riot or revival. And we see that they weren't timid. They weren't ashamed, but they were sold on being bold. And why were they bold? The Bible tells us that one of the byproducts of being filled with the Spirit of God is boldness. It's courage. It's, it's that, 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 that driving within you, that driving uh, inspiring force within you that doesn't allow you to live a settled life that can but continually propels you to live a stretching life. One where you go from one degree, one level to another because it's possible to have that occur in our lives through the Spirit. Now, the Bible calls us to live revolutionary lives. Yet there are roadblocks we will have to confront and conquer. These roadblocks will stop us and keep us stuck. What are they? Roadblock number one is doubt. Roadblock number one is doubt. Hal Donaldson, the CEO of Convoy of Hope, he writes the following. Powerlessness is doubting one's ability to bring change. It's doubting that transformation is even possible because, if we're honest, we haven't seen enough of it. You may also feel helpless because you've been told you can't do anything. Perhaps you've been belittled and beaten down to the point that you don't believe in yourself. I find today that there are people that remain stuck and unable to move beyond their current crisis or circumstances because they've been told, this is your permanent lot, but the devil is a liar. Jesus is greater than any issue that you're dealing with in your life. Jesus is greater than any hurt or hang-up or habit that is impeding you from p- moving forward In your life, there is a classic story in the Bible of someone who battled with self-doubt. It's the story of Gideon. Look with me at how God addressed him in Judges chapter 6 verses 11 through 16. We see in the message Bible, it reads, one day the angel of God came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joaz, the Abers right, whose son was Gideon, was threshing wheat in the winepress out of the sight of the Midianites. Notice, he was hiding. He was hiding because he was afraid. The angel of God appeared to him and said, "God is with you, Almighty Warrior." I like that. Gideon replied, "With me, my master." If God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracle wonders our parents and grandparents told us about? Telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He has turned us over to Midian, but God faced him directly. Go in the strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I sent you? Gideon said to him, me? My master? How and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the runt of the litter. God said to him, I'll be with you. Believe me, you'll defeat Midian as one man. Here, God confronts; he confronts the self-doubt of Gideon by calling him what Midian wasn't or what Gideon wasn't feeling. Gideon didn't feel like a mighty warrior, but I'm glad that God doesn't see us where we are just at, but He sees us where He's going to take us if we're willing to partner with Him. And so I. I want you to know, don't allow others to keep you stuck by labeling you by your present location or by your present condition. Because the God I serve doesn't call you just where you're at. He calls you to where you're going. He says right now that even though you're overwhelmed by your circumstance, I name you more than a conqueror. And God said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And then God pointed out to him, even as Gideon is bringing up excuses, God says, there's a strength in you. There's a strength in you. There is a power in you. And I want to say to you today, if God has called you to it. It's he, It means that He's committed to help you do it. If God has called you to it, He's committed to help you do it. The job will get done regardless of the fact that you may feel like you're outnumbered. The job will be accomplished even if you feel overwhelmed. Because if God has called you to it, He's committed to help you do do it. I'm going to get the job done. But you say, pastor, you don't know my family line. You don't know my history. You don't know the struggles in my life. I want to tell you, I may not know those things, but I know this, that God word is more powerful than your struggles. God's word is more powerful than your history. God's word is more powerful than any addiction. God's word is more powerful than whoever is standing against his purpose being fulfilled in your life. And I want to encourage you today, change your confession. Make this your daily confession. In Philippians 4.13, the amplified classic translation, it says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient through Christ's sufficiency. I want to make it clear today. I'm not afraid of the mountain. I'm not afraid of the river. I'm not afraid of the sea. I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of any demon, no matter what their name is, not because I feel I'm the champion over but because the champion the conqueror lives in me and he gives me strength that is greater than my weakness and that's what God wanted Gideon to see you have strength in you that you're not even aware of and my presence with you guarantees you'll be strong enough to fulfill the task in your life and so roadblock number one is doubt. Roadblock number two is apathy. Apathy. What is apathy? It's lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. Lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. We're in the midst of football season. A legendary legendary coach was Vince Lombardi. He was the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, and he would tell his players... If you are not fired up with enthusiasm, you will be fired with enthusiasm. I like that. Because he was letting his players know, we are going to carry out what we must do with enthusiasm. He understood that if you're going to have the possibility of overcoming your enemy on the field, you better have passion on your side. One guy was talking to his next door neighbor about a speaker he heard the night before. He told the neighbor, that guy said something that really has stuck in my mind. He said that all of the world's problems could be summed up in two words, ignorance and apathy. What do you think? The neighbor replied, I really don't know and I really don't care. There's a lot of people that live that way. They're part of the group. A wise old evangelist was once asked, why don't we see revival happening in the church in the United States of America today? The old preacher scratched his chin and thought for a moment. Then he said, the reason why we are not living in revival today is because we are content to live without it. I want you to understand CWC life. I am not satisfied with filling a building. There are more people that are lost in our community and as long as I'm breathing I'm going to ask God, don't just get us together. Don't just have us sing some songs, but please like I prayed earlier this morning send us your glory. Manifest who you are. Do what only you can do. Disrupt our commonness and our mediocrity with your superiority. Show up God and show up and show Lord, who you are, I want revival today. I'm not going to settle for where I've been. I want to go where he wants to take me. There's a 19th century Danish religious philosopher. His name was Soren Kierkegaard. And he told a story about a town where only ducks lived. Every Sunday, the ducks would waddle out of their houses and waddle down Main Street to their church. They waddled into the sanctuary, and they sat in their proper pews. The duck choir waddled in and took its place. And then the duck minister came forward, and he opened the duck Bible. He read to them, Ducks, God has given you wings. With wings, you can fly. With wings, you can mount up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fence can hold you. You have wings. God has given you wings. And you can fly like birds. All the ducks shouted, Amen. And then they all waddled home. That's what I see happening in a lot of the church in America. We come and we get inspirational word and we get fired up messages, but then we just waddle home. I want you to know we're not called to waddle home. We're called to soar. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. It's not enough. To come to God's house and get information. God wants to bring about transformation. It's not enough to have a good Sunday and then have a horrible Monday through Saturday. That's not how it's meant to work. Because if you and I will tap into God, we will find in Him that there is a life that lasts. A life that continues. A life that endures. A faith that can face trials and still triumph. Helen Keller said, we have found the cure for most evils, but we have found no remedy for the worst of them all, the apathy of human beings. CWC Life family, we are not called to live apathetic lives. We are called to live passionately and compassionately. We are called to live passionately. And compassionately. Look what Paul writes in Romans 12, 11 and 12 in the Passion Translation. He says, be what? Let's try that again. Be what? Yeah, there we go. Put some fire into it. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Notice, keeping your Passionate or your passion toward him. How? Boiling hot. Oh, that's when you know that it's gonna be good, menudo. That's when you know that the pozole is gonna Yeah. Okay, let me get back to the word. I told you my three person. Right. Radiate it says with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Watch this, don't Give up in a time of trouble. Watch. But commune with God at all times. The last sentence or the last phrase of that passage gives the key to live out everything that he wrote before that. Be in commune with God at all times. I want you to know there is no mystery to how to live passionately for God. All you and I have to do is commune, connect with with God because when you're in connection with God, it will keep you connected with the world. It will keep you connected with what's happening. It will keep you connected with God's heart concerning what's going on. And it will move you like it moved Jesus to do something about the ills and the, and the suffering and the difficulties that are taking place in your life and those around you and those that God connects you. And you will not give up because our the Bible says of our God, our God is a consuming fire. When you get in His presence, you come in the presence of the God who is a consuming fire. Let me tell you that daily I do my best to connect with Him. And when I show up in His presence, the consuming fire, He burns off in my life what is not of Him. And then He ignites in me what is of Him. there. I'm just telling you, the next time you feel dull, the next time you feel... The next time you feel you're struggling in your walk, just get in his presence, because his fire will fire you up and transform you and make you passionate and compassionate. (laughs) Listen, listen in the words of Wesley L. Dool. He says, it takes more than a busy church, a friendly church, or even an evangelical church to impact A community for Christ. It must be a church ablaze. Led by leaders who are ablaze for God. The Bible says of John the Baptist. In John 5.35. He was a burning and shining light. The Bible says that he was a burning and shining light. Why? Because he would spend time in the presence of God. Someone said get on fire. And people will come to watch you burn. I'm telling you, you get passionate for God, people will be drawn to your fire to experience the warmth of what God is doing. Again, Hal Donaldson writes in his book titled, Disruptive Compassion. Apathy is telling yourself, the most important thing is that I make it through to the other side. What happens to everyone else is their business. It's saying change is impossible or inevitable no matter what I do. So why should I get involved? What does the Bible tell us in Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, in the classic Amplified? It says, waiting and looking for the fulfillment, the realization of our blessed hope, even the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, who gave Himself on our behalf, that He might redeem us, purchase our freedom from all iniquity, and purify for Himself, appear a people to be peculiarly his own. People who are, notice, eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. Did you get it? Not looking and lazy, but looking and And living, He saved me not just to get to heaven, but while I'm waiting to get to heaven here on earth, carrying out beneficial deeds. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I want you to understand something: when you're when you're in 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 on fire for Jesus, you're not just waiting to hear the trumpet sound and escape to heaven, but when you're in fire with Jesus, you're like unto the very end. You're like, come, 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 come here. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm on my way to see Jesus. Come in, come here, come here. You're just, you're just grabbing people and saying, I want to make sure I impact her life. I impact, I impact his life. I want to make sure that not only do I get to heaven, but I get as many people out of hell to heaven to join me on the ride. Woo! Come on. Yeah. I'm telling you, when you're on fire for Jesus, you don't want to just get to heaven. You want to make sure that you let hell know you messed with me. Now I'm going to mess with you. I'm going to take from you people you thought you had in bondage. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to see their lives come to freedom like I've experienced it. So you, really? Yes? Yes. Come on, you guys are like, I don't know about that. Well, really? Okay. How many of you have found at your store something that you felt like, oh, man, i got to get the word out about this? This thing that was so pricey, it's being sold, and and you, you just keep it to yourself? Not if you're passionate about it. You're on your cell phone, and you're like, get my contacts. Ding, this person, this person. I'm going to make sure they all know about it. Right? Why? Because you're passionate about an opportunity that not only is going to be beneficial to you, but can be beneficial to those that you care for. When you're on fire for Jesus, you don't settle for an apathetic life. You settle, you, you stretch for a life that will impact as many people as possible. Woo. And then, roadblock number three. Blame, blame. You got it. Doubt, apathy, blame. The like they say in Spanish, se prendió el foco. The light turned on. Watch this. Roadblock number three to living a revolutionary life is blame. Now, you ready? You ready? We're going to play the blame game. You're driving 100 miles per hour in a 45 mile per hour zone. You lose control. Flip your car on a sharp curve and critically injure yourself. Who's at fault? No, not you. The Department of Transportation for not making the degree of banking on the curve great enough to keep you on the road at 100 miles per hour. (laughs) you're going 75 miles in a 55 mile per hour zone and you are pulled over, given a ticket that gives you enough points to have your license suspended. Who is to blame? No, not you. The officer should have been a little bit more sympathetic to your situation. He should have known that you had to get to where you have to get in a hurry. You are wearing a shirt that needs to be ironed. Instead of taking it off, you try to iron it with it on. And guess what? That's right. You get burned. Shame on you, right? No. It's the company who made the iron who deserves blame because they should have warned you that ironing clothes while they are on your body is dangerous. It might happen to somebody today. You pull through McDonald's for some hot, yes, hot coffee. While trying to drive your car, eat your egg McMuffin, you spill your hot, yes, hot coffee all over yourself. You moron, right? No, it is McDonald's fault for making the coffee too hot. Okay, one more. You decide that you need to fix the electrical component in your TV. Without unplugging it, you begin your work. Uh Uh-oh. You guessed it. You get fried. Dumb you, right? No. Vizio, Sony, should have told you that you were at risk for electric shock. Here's the bottom line. The blame game, it has been played since the beginning of time. Adam blamed Eve and God for their falling in sin, their disobedience. He said, the woman that you gave me. (laughs) All the women are like, yeah, yeah, you're right, Pastor. Guys never want to take responsibility. But what about Eve? For those of you of older generation, she did the Flip Wilson. She said, the devil made me do it. She blamed the serpent. Guys, that was an opportunity to holler and, yeah, you're right, pastor. They don't want to take responsibility. (sighs) And then, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you have the priest, Aaron. He blamed The people for the building and worshiping of the golden calf. He said, God, they just brought me their their gold earrings, their bracelets, their rings. And and all I did, I took it and I just threw it in the fire and poof, here came out the cow. Yeah. He blamed the people. And then you have King Saul. He blamed his soldiers for his disobedience. And on and on it goes. And then in the New Testament of the Bible, there's a man that blamed others for his chronic condition of 38 years. His story is found in John chapter 5, beginning with verse 5 down to verse 9. It says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Simple question. That all it needs is a simple answer. Either yes or no. But does he give a simple one-word answer? No. Look what he does. Sir, I have no man. To put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. What's he doing? He's blaming others. He's saying the reason why I'm not well is because others aren't concerned enough to get me in the water first when the angel stirs it up so that I can be healed. It's other people's fault. That I'm in the condition I'm in. It's other people's fault that I'm still stuck in this condition. Ah, but Jesus said to him, rise. Take up your bed and walk. And immediately, when? Immediately, the man was made well. Took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. There's two things I learned from this account. Get this. One, as long as I choose to blame... I will remain lame. As long as I choose to blame, I will remain lame. Second, I can choose to stop to blame and choose positive change. Jesus didn't want him to give him his history. Jesus simply wanted A yes answer. I want to be clear about this. We live in a society today where we have grown as experts to blame the government, to blame the climate, to blame our neighbor, to blame so-and-so for where we've been stuck for the last whatever years. This is why I don't like spending my time watching television Talk shows where all they're doing is rehashing why that person is still in the same cycle that they're in. Because I want you to understand something. That when you come into the kingdom, it doesn't matter what's in your history. Jesus can help you. Break it and then make history through your life. You don't have to stay stuck. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I live for now. It's a, it's, 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 I want to show people, listen, because I'm not one of those guys, you know, there's, there's people like, they go on their social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and they're like, I had a bad day today. And you know what they're trying to do. And those of you on live stream, you know what you're trying to do. You're just trying to get people to feel sympathetic for you. Homie, don't play that. Because let me tell you why. It isn't because I haven't experienced difficult times. It isn't because I haven't gone through tragedies in my life. But I refuse to stay in self-pity because I've learned that now as a child of God, I don't have to stay stuck and I don't have to be able to do the impossible. All God tells me to do is rise. All God tells me to do is take up what you've been laying on and just start walking by faith and I'll do the impossible. I'll do the healing. All God's telling me to do is you just move the stone and I'll do the resurrection. You just speak to the mountain. It, and I'll move it, I'll cast it into the sea. You just give me the last of what you've got and I'll begin to supply for you for however long you need my provision. Are you getting this church? We don't need to be casting blame. We just got to choose positive change because our God is able. <laughs> Author Alan Tapp said, change will happen. Whether you like it or not. Positive change, however, requires choice. You can choose to accept natural change or you can choose to fight it. The power to choose is yours. The responsibility, the responsibility for choice is yours. You have no one else to blame for the way you choose to respond to life. It is your deal. Let me say to you, change, positive change can happen to us, through us, and around us if we will choose to partner with God through exercising faith in God and doing what He has directed us to do. Just do it. Those who sit on their hands, don't have a leg to stand on. Get your hands up and away from your blessed assurance and do with them whatever He tells you to do. You see, because I've learned this, When you do the possible, then he does the impossible. Just take those water pots and fill them with water. But we don't need water. We need wine. You do the possible. You fill it with water. And you'll be amazed that as you're walking after obeying Him with the water, then He'll put His touch in the water. And He'll produce something you could never do. It's not going to take Him a 24-hour time period in an instant after you've obeyed Him. In a moment after you've done what He's told you to do, He'll then show up and do what only He can do. Do the something you can do. The Bible says in Psalm 60 verse 12, With God's help, we will do mighty things. For He will trample down our enemies. I want you and I to live by this motto. This motto. motto, motto. No... Excuses just execution No excuses just execution Growing up in church. I've heard a lot of stories And there's one that I remember that I would hear repeatedly told It's about an old man that was out at the beach And on the sand of the beach, there were thousands upon thousands of starfish. And the man was going about grabbing starfish, throwing them into the sea one by one, hurriedly, as fast as this old man could. He would reach down, grab the starfish. Some of them would return back. To the shore. But many of them would be taken back into the deeper water. There was a young man that was observing this old man. And he says, what are you doing? Why? You're just wasting your energy. There's no way you're going to be able to save all these starfish. The old man ignoring him just grabbed a starfish. And threw it into the water. And kept walking. And then he said. But it made a difference. For that one didn't it? I've learned in ministry. That your efforts. Will not always produce. The results you were hoping for. Not everybody. Is going to carry out. What you share from God's word. Let me tell you, some of the biggest whiners and complainers are preachers. And I've been in meetings where I'm like, can we just, I'm being sanctified right now. I mean, I'm trying to be holy. Can we just shut the front door, get up from this table, and just do something? Let's just do something. Let's quit complaining. I'm I, I, I'm like that preacher that was asked by another preacher, how many people in your church are committed for to your to your vision? And I and he said 100%. Yeah, 100% percent committed to your vision. Yes. Some of them are committed for it and some of them are committed against it, but they're all committed. <laughs> And that's the way I am. It's like, okay, I understand. Not everybody's going to be involved. Not everybody's going to be engaged. Not everybody's going to buy into it. But I'm going to work with those that are willing. Because I know that if I'll do that, focus my energy on that, we will make a change. We will make a difference. Our lives will cause a change. And I want to encourage you today. Choose this day that you're going to live a revolutionary life. You're not going to settle for mediocrity. You're going after the superiority of what God can do in your life. I want to encourage you, change your confession. Change your confession. And then make a choice today. I'm going to be passionate for God. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame. I'm choosing change. I'm, choos- I'm choosing change. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you that you want to bring about change in this place I thank you God that you are the change maker and you are the God who is able to empower our lives to live in such a way that we bring about change for the better Father I believe that Tulare County can be changed and is being changed because not only CWC life, but there are churches in this community that are saying, we're choosing a revolutionary life. We're going to live our lives not making excuses, but executing what God calls us to do. We'll do the possible and we'll trust Him to do the impossible. I said in this message that it's a church ablaze for God that will make a difference in its community. And that church must be made up of leaders that are ablaze or on fire for God. I'm going to ask my wife to join me up here at this podium, at this stage right now. Hmm. Roops, would you come down here? Jeanette, would you come down here and stand here? Please. Amen. Abe, would you come and stand here? I just felt this on the way here. Would you stand down here, Abe? And Roberto, would you come? These are some of our leaders right now that Consuelo, would you come and stand? Wow. We need God's fire. God's fire. Amen. 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 Brian and Alex, would you come? And I want you to pray with Jeanette, please. Amen. Evelyn, would you come? Sister Evelyn, would you come? You're a prayer warrior. And on my way here, I just felt impressed that God would have you to pray. swallow right now, amen. There's a fire that God wants to impart right now. I just sense it. I just sense it. Just stay in a spirit of prayer and just keep playing. Amen. Father, thank you that it's not by might nor by power but by your spirit. I thank you for these leaders, these people that you've called by name to make a difference, to bring about change. And I pray right now that like in the Old Testament, when the sacrifice was laid at the altar, fire from heaven would come and consume. I pray over Abe. I pray over Ruperto. I pray, Father, over Consuelo, over Jeanette right now. As they come as a living sacrifice before your altar, send your fire. Ignite them. Consume what is not of you in our lives and ignite what is of you in us. Our God, you are a consuming fire. And I thank you, Lord, that you enable us to dwell with you, the God of everlasting burnings. The one who comes as a refiner, a refiner's fire. And I thank you that you remove the dross so that more of you can be seen in our lives. I thank you, God, for your fresh fire on your servants, on your sons, on your daughters. I declare fresh fire. Yes, Lord, we receive it right now. Fire, fall down. Fire, fall down. Fire, fall down. down. Now, I'm going to ask those of you in the congregation right now that would say, Pastor, I need fresh fire and I want it. I want you to come here to this altar right now. Don't wait on anybody. You know you want it and you need it in your life. You come. This is your opportunity. God is a consuming fire. And He will, he will give you the passion and compassion that will elevate your walk with Him. I'm telling you. Come on, if that's you, you come. You want His fire. You want His compassion. You want His passion. You want what He saved you for, to be zealous. You come, and you receive right now. There's fire in this place. There's fire right now. Thank you, Father. Fire, fall down. Fire, fall down. Fire, fall Fall down. Leaders, start to pray with me. Pray with these that are coming. Begin to lay your hands now on them. As you've been prayed for, you begin to impart that fire. There's a fire here today. Yes. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. You come. Spirit of life. Spirit of life. Spirit of burning, come.